This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sectors Podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space, sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU, elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And this episode is sponsored by our friends at 26Digital, a full-service agency that offers integrated marketing solutions exclusively to destination marketing organizations and members in the travel, tourism, and hospitality industries. Dave Serino, Ryan Matson, and the 26 team assist DMOs with developing measurable and successful digital marketing strategies through specialized solutions to elevate the overall understanding, strategic direction, and tactical implementation of very impactful DMO campaigns. You can learn more about them at 26digital.com, and that's all words, no numbers, 26digital.com. And now it's on to our show. Julie Soppy has been with Visit Anchorage since 2002 and was named president and CEO in May 2007. Visit Anchorage is responsible for enhancing Anchorage's economy through destination marketing, as well as oversight of the city's two convention centers. Before joining the team at Visit Anchorage, Julie held executive marketing and membership positions with the Matsu CVB, the Alaska Visitors Association, and the Alaska State Chamber of Commerce. She started her career in 1981 providing walking tours for the Fairbanks Convention and Visitors Bureau. Julie was named one of Alaska's top 40 under 40. She's the past chair of DMA West and a past chair of both the Alaska Travel Industry Association and the Alaska Marketing Board. Currently, she serves on the DMA West Foundation Board and on the Destination International's Destination Marketing Accreditation Program, otherwise known as DMAP. She has also served on the Chairman's Circle Board for the U.S. Travel Association. Julie Soppy, welcome to DMOU. Thank you. Glad to be here. So it's no secret how much a fan I am of your community. And I think a big reason that I love Anchorage so much is that there's this culture clash of rugged outdoorsmen and women with a strong sense of arts and culture. I mean, there's this subterfuge that just is going on that I think creates an electricity in your community. I mean, I've I've seen amateur boxing matches at your convention center and the next day toured the <laughs> exceptional Anchorage Museum. I've seen local hockey fans stay for over an hour after the game is over to make sure that an opposing player who had suffered a pretty horrible injury in the last few minutes of the game was okay. And I've utilized right. Anchorage as base camp essentially for venturing to cool places like Talkeetna and Wasilla where I couldn't find Russia. I, I couldn't find it. I, I looked when I was in Wasilla. I couldn't see <laughs> Russia anywhere. But anyway, I tried. So that brings us really to one of the reasons I wanted so much to have you on DMOU. You know, of the over 200 DMOs that we've worked with over the years, Visit Anchorage to me and to Terry stands out as one of a handful in which the organization and staff culture, I mean, you can feel it. It's palpable. It's it, You can almost touch it. It made me Honestly, it made me want to get back in the game and lead a DMO that was that cool. So here's my first question. What's the secret sauce? Why is the culture at Visit Anchorage so different from what I see in other destinations? Boy, that's a great introduction and a little bit of a tough question in, in that I feel like I'm nurturing a culture that's been here rather than developing it. But I think even in, in some of your discussion already, you touched on a bit of it, and that's kind of the independent spirit of Alaskans. And luckily, I, I'm working in a building full of Alaskans, and we 
do help one another. We are collaborative. There's a lot that goes into it. But I know you wanted to talk specifically about within Visit Anchorage uh, to get started. What do we do or how has this culture um, been developed and nurtured? Some of this, I, I hope, is somewhat, I won't say basic, but um, things that we've all heard before. And, and I guess it starts with the hire, right? You, you hire for attitude and fit. And if you have a choice between two qualified candidates, you know, we're going to go with the one with the attitude and the cultural fit first. Truly, we hire people who are passionate about Alaska, passionate about Anchorage, um, because you can't fake that in front of our clients. And if you have all of those type of people working together uh, with a mission that requires you to be passionate about your destination, it just translates into enthusiasm for the, the job that they get to do and, and who they get to do it with. So I guess I would start with, as a staff, we fully own the mission and we love where we live. You identified some reasons why we love where we live, and that's the outdoor wilderness experience that we can go out and do on a weekend, but we also do have those amenities, you know, the Performing Arts Center, the museum, the nice spa experience. Whatever your, your interests are, we can get passionate about it here. So that's the starting point for me, but there's more practical and policy pieces that fit into that puzzle. A couple is one we like to promote from within, and we make sure that staff is aware of that, that if they're a, a good employee, if they're solid, if they're working towards their goals, if they're collaborative, there's room for them to grow here. And whether it's through additional training or just on-the-job experience, we encourage that and we try to figure out how to create those spaces for people to follow their interests on the job and find room for upward movement here. And my own journey really shows that when the board hired me out of membership into the CEO position. I think that it was a signal to the entire organization that the we promote from within is uh, taken seriously. And whether it was myself or somebody else on staff, I think just that trust from the board that uh, we have upward movement within the staff um, was really a big signal and helped improve the culture here. It really was um, not about me, but about the process. And uh, I really appreciate that the board takes that we promote within attitude seriously as well. We have six values here, and one of them is fun. <laughs> we celebrate success. We lift each other up. We don't take ourselves too seriously. Um, I think that that sends a signal to the staff as well, that we work hard, but we also need to celebrate and enjoy one another. All right. Another policy area, I guess, is on bonuses. We don't do commissions for our sales staff or our membership department, but we bonus collectively. So it is across the organization. A win for one person is a win for everyone, and uh, we try to bonus everyone at the same rate. We don't want clients or members to call and be put off by one salesperson because their representative isn't in the office. And so we've never gone down the road of commissions and individual incentives. It's all for one. And I think that you feel that within the building. One thing that is discussed a lot with the millennial generation coming up and, and that um, some people may believe that this is a mistake on my part, but we 
don't encourage working from home, remote work. It, it happens, and we've got some folks who maybe uh, you know one day a week or a half day a week um, for very specific reasons need to work from home. But I really believe that there's a lot of value from face to face and from being with one another, from getting to know one another, from seeing what their challenges at work are, and from sharing those challenges and from you know a collaborative spirit. So while I know that that's one of the trends in attracting workforce, it hasn't become a problem for us here. And in other words, we haven't had people who um, didn't accept jobs here because they couldn't work from home all the time. Um, as I said, we make exceptions and we understand uh, the need on occasion, but I, I truly believe that being face-to-face -face in the same building brings a lot of value from a, a culture perspective and a collaboration and getting work done. Yeah, it's really interesting that you say that because, and you know, I use the term secret sauce, that really could be part of it because uh, I think so many of us are in a attempt to land the best talent in a very, very tight market will acquiesce to something that maybe in the back of our minds we know isn't right because it, it does tend to not gel a team when they may only be in the office three days a week or they may be, you know, um, totally commuting, telecommuting from home. And you can't right. build the kind of culture that you've built right. unless you see each other almost every day. Yeah. And, you know, in our business and, and especially here from Anchorage, I suspect that our sales staff is perhaps on the road and out of the office a lot more than uh, perhaps at other organizations just because of the distance uh, to get to and from Anchorage. And so right. when folks have the opportunity to be in the office, especially those who spend a lot of time traveling, I think it's important that we see each other and can smile at one another and exchange those courtesies. Yeah. And then, you know, we talk about open door policy. I, I hope that that's a standard in, in most organizations. I certainly invite anybody in the organization to walk in just about any time into my office. And I think that they appreciate that. And then there's the work-life balance. And you and I had a chance to talk about this a couple of different points, but certainly there's just no hesitation. If you've got a health issue or a family health issue or anything going on at home, that's priority. And staff knows that. Uh, I don't think anybody abuses it by any means. But to take time for yourself, that balance that we all talk about is very much a part of the culture here. Um, we also encourage people to use their full vacation time. Um, carrying over vacation, I don't think, does anybody any good. And then we also have what we call a Big Wild Life Day which is one of those floating holidays a lot of people have. But we really ask our employees not to attach it to a trip or, you know, an already planned vacation, but to use it as just a random day off to go out and enjoy Anchorage and maybe uh, discover something about Anchorage that they haven't discovered before. And uh, I think people really appreciate that direction. And then there's also accountability and discipline, uh, transitioning people out of the organization also can make a huge difference to corporate culture. A, it, it instills the accountability that is necessary, but B, it uh, shows that we do value culture and if um, someone is not playing in the collaborative realm, that it's a problem for everybody. So interesting that you say that because it is so difficult for so many of us to put ourselves in that position where we have to make a decision to cut somebody loose. 
And, you know, maybe it's because we're in hospitality. Maybe it's because it's the culture today. But, you you know, you're rooting for them. You say, well, maybe I'm not seeing it properly. Maybe I'm just not. And yet, every single time I ever had to do that, right. I agonized over it for weeks before I did it. And probably I should have agonized over it for an hour. Yes. Because I knew in my in my core that this person was screwing up the culture and screwing up the operation. Mm -hmm. And in right. every case, and it didn't happen very often, but in every case, I watched the staff the next day walk on air because they knew far more than I did how toxic that person had been. Mm -hmm. And once I finally did yes. what I had to do, the staff looked at me like, thank you, what took you so long? <laughs> and it is important for culture. Yes, and I'm the same way. I, I take too long. I, I won't say that we do it perfectly here. But over time, I've learned that sometimes those hard decisions turn out in the end to, they shouldn't have been that hard. Yeah, absolutely. So taking nothing away from what you've created at Visit Anchorage, we, we kind of touched on it at the beginning. How much of this collaborative culture is influenced by the culture of your community, that you are a people in a harsher environment than most, and that the community and the people within naturally collaborate? Yes. For those of us that are taking the five or six points that you laid out for us, and let's say we're in a dog-eat-dog -dog community culture, mm -hmm. how much does the community culture either reinforce what you're doing or enable you to do what you're doing? Uh, can I say over 100%? <laughs> <laughs> you're really on to something there about the community, our members, our board of directors here. We are an extremely collaborative community. And I've been here so long that I can't step out of it and, and try to be objective about it and compare it to other places. But what I can do and what I do here all the time is rely on our clients, the folks, the meeting planners that we bring up on a fam, the journalists that we work with, travel trade, tour operators that we bring up to meet with the industry. And time and time and time again, I hear from them, wow, your industry is very collaborative. Your industry is supportive. You're all like one big family up here. So I, I have to believe that it may be different than other places. Yeah. And it really is true that our industry is like a family. And, and I think you touched on some of it, a harsher environment. We, we talk about the independent Alaskan spirit. And it's kind of ironic, but I think that independent spirit um, means that people feel that they can reach out and help other people. And, and you feel that in Anchorage, and you really feel it in the tourism industry. And I feel after talking to other CVB folks outside, other DMOs, our industry really buys into the destination first. They know that we're selling the destination first. They're not looking to us to sell their particular property first. They're out for an Anchorage win first, and then they know that if we do that collectively, the business will flow their way. And I don't get that sense necessarily from some of my colleagues outside that that their hoteliers and their attractions uh, feel that way about selling the destination first. And so I think that we're in a, a really great spot here. And as I said, I especially from our meeting planners, they say, wow, your, your industry um, feels different up here. And maybe that behooves us all 
to not just look at the culture within our four walls, right? but to say, you know, to enable the culture of the DMO, the culture of our hospitality partners, is maybe that's something that if it is not a collaborative community, is we really set our sights on trying to be that change agent that makes that happen. I got to tell you that so often we go in for a strategic planning session and we instantly hear that, you know, this is a very siloed community. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the instant I hear that, I think to myself, if you're a siloed community, you are forfeiting all kinds of opportunities because none of your partners, including the DMO, can do this alone. And so maybe in in our effort to have a culture like yours within the organization, it helps us to start to suggest to our our peer community development organizations, hey, y'all, we need to be more collaborative ourselves. Right. And as you know, we're seeing and hearing more and more of that you know, the, the transition from DMO to DMMO. I, I mean, I think all of that builds into making sure that you have a community and an industry that's collaborating outside of, you know, the four walls of the, the DMO itself. Okay, so despite all the advantages in which you benefit, you can't take this culture within your organization for granted, and I know that you don't. I was blessed to have been able to sit in on one of your staff meetings. And that's really where I came away saying, I so want to run another DMO because if I could have a daily experience like you had at that staff meeting, (laughs) that would be nirvana, right? I was impressed with the little things during that staff meeting in which your staff found camaraderie, okay? So share with us some of the little things. You you touched on one a little earlier, but share the little things that you've established as hallmarks of staff interaction that keeps the culture fire bright. Yeah, there are a bunch of little things over the course of the year. But at that staff meeting, I think one of the things that you observe that, that we do at every staff meeting, uh, towards the end of the meeting, we open it up for what we just call don't works and works. And typically we don't really hear about the don't works. But these are things that have happened over the course of the last couple of weeks that folks are appreciative of. Um, it's a chance to thank coworkers, and that's generally what we hear during works. So we'll hear about a big win, yeah. you know, a, a new be- meeting that was just booked or, you know, our membership numbers. But really, it's a chance for someone to say, boy, I was struggling with this problem and this person came and helped, and I really appreciate it. And it's a chance not to celebrate necessarily the, the bigger things, but to really thank the folks in accounting, to thank you know our information technology folks, to thank our assistants, because um, we recognize that without the strong foundation of everybody, that those big wins don't come through. And so um, it's just a chance to share uh, where people have helped one another um, internally. And the works actually don't necessarily have to be work-related. Uh, oftentimes, a works is, is something personally that one coworker did for another as well. And so, again, it, it feeds into this idea that we're family and that we're all um, dependent on one another. You know, one of the things I think I saw was that I was impressed with not that it doesn't happen in other agencies, but one of the works, somebody was giving props to somebody else, but in a completely unrelated department that you wouldn't think on a cursory view, you'd say, 
well, that person probably couldn't have helped this person in this department because they're so different in their job descriptions. And yet it turned out that it was one of those things where one of your staffers was completely buried and there was a piece of the project that could have been handled by almost anybody. And here it was that somebody looked over the, you know, down the hall and said, you look stressed. You need a, you need a hand here. Mm-hmm. And, and wow, again, that's the kind of stuff that we wish we saw more often, but we're, and we shouldn't be surprised when we see it, but we are. Yeah. And actually, I'm, I'm glad that you stated that because it's true. It, more often than not, the works extend beyond one department. So from one department, um, saying thank you to a staff person in another department. And I, I think you see it at that level because, you know, they all have their department meetings where they can um, say thank you to their direct coworkers. But at the, the full staff meeting, uh, more often than not, those works are across department, which I very much appreciate. Um, another thing I, th- I think you may have seen, uh, if not, I'll describe it to you. Uh, monthly, we have a Seymour Award. Seymour of Anchorage is our moose mascot. Did you see this statue, Bill? Yes, I did. Okay. We have a, a very heavy bronze moose statue. It's a, a <laughs> traveling statue, and, and it's kind of like the Oscar of Visit Anchorage that goes from staff to staff on a monthly basis. And we encourage that it goes from staff in one department to staff in another department. And it really is just recognition uh, above and beyond someone who you feel is you know, always there for you, someone who has gone above and beyond over the past month or over the past 12 months. And you win the statue and you get to keep it at your desk for a month. And uh, it cannot go to management. And so it really is another way to recognize and people feel very special when they have Seymour at their desk for a month. It's not necessarily for a win, but it's for, um, you know, your, your attitude and how you treat your coworkers and how you make your coworkers feel. So again, a small thing, but it's always fun to see where Seymour is living in the building at any given time. And then, you know, outside of that, we hold a lot of staff events, potlucks to celebrate holidays throughout the year and staff picnics. And, yeah. uh, we have a, a company holiday breakfast instead of an, an evening party. We, we have a breakfast and uh, at that breakfast, everybody gets up and has a chance to share something about the coming year that they're excited for, whether it's a personal milestone, a professional milestone, uh, something one of their kids are doing. And so we, we have a chance to get to know uh, folks uh, at our company uh, holiday party at a d- different level, too, as we enter into a new year. So as I said at the outset, it was one of those moments where you know, Terry and I looked at each other across the room and and just smiled because we could feel it. And, and you've built a wonderful culture there. And so congratulations to that. But I can't let you go without the bonus round question. <laughs> the bonus. <laughs> and the bonus round question takes you back to your very first job in tourism. Yes. Which was watering the roof at the Fairbanks CVB. Yes. So first... You have to tell me why the roof needs to be watered, <laughs> but I also understand that you left quite an impression on one visitor from said rooftop, so do tell. <laughs> yes, I did. And yes, uh, my first job was at the Fairbanks Convention and Visitors Bureau, and, and we worked out of a very cute log cabin right on the river there. And as with many log cabins, it had a, a sod roof. 
that required watering during okay. those long, warm uh, <laughs> summers. So, so each of the summer staff wow. folks uh, grabbed a ladder. We went up on the roof. We watered it, made sure it looked nice and green. I do have to, real quick as a side note, before staff um, went up and took care of the lawn, there actually was a goat that <laughs> lived up on the roof. Before I started there, the goat was... Um, <laughs> removed from the rooftop. There were some concerns from community members about animal safety. Um, so then they sent us up instead. <laughs> but so uh, the, the story goes. But the goat took care of mowing, yes, right? The, the goat took care of mowing. And it was quite a unique sight to see. <laughs> but when I was there doing the watering duty, and, and it was actually something that staff looked forward to, we, we shared one week at a time. So I'd have lawn duty for a week and daily make a trip up to the roof and, and water it, see what needed to happen. Uh, we had a ladder that we, we pulled out, we put towards one end of the building and uh, climbed up there and then climbed down when we were done. Well, one day the ladder had disappeared. I don't know. I was on the roof and there was no way to get down. Just so happens that one of my coworkers was from Vietnam. Her name was Ha. And I knew that she was working at the moment. So I went over to where there was an open window. I kind of leaned over the roof and I started yelling, ha, ha, ha. At the same moment, there was a gentleman walking down the street, one of our visitors. He looked at me. He was extremely startled. He ran into the cabin and he said, quick, get some help. There's a woman on the roof. She thinks she's a bird. I'm afraid she's going to jump. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. True story. <laughs> <laughs> so you never know how you can make the first impression, right? That is probably the most unique first job in a CVB I've ever heard of. Watering well, the roof. not only did I have roof duty, I also had to wear a raven mascot. We were raven about Fairbanks at the time. <laughs> so that would have been even better if you would have had the raven costume while you were watering the roof and saying, ha, ha. Exactly. That would have <laughs> rounded out the story, yeah, right? That's great. Well, Julie, congratulations on building a culture that could and really should be a model for us all. And also thanks for all you're doing on the DMAP board. Uh, we're really excited at the evolution that you all on that board have kind of overseen over the past couple of years. It's been fabulous. It was great to see you in D.C. a couple of weeks ago. And so thanks for all of that. Yeah, thank you. All right. That's it for this edition of the Resurrected DMOU. Tell your friends and peers this is where the best and the brightest gather to tell inspiring stories for DMO pros. Thanks, too, to our sponsor at 2.6 Digital, a full-service agency that offers integrated marketing solutions exclusively to destination marketing organizations and members of the travel, tourism, and hospitality industries. Dave Serino, Brian Matson, and the 2.6 team assist DMOs with developing measurable and successful digital marketing strategies. That's 2.6digital.com. DMOpros.com is where you will find more on our services to the DMO industry, plus links to the Z News, our Knowledge Bank, videos, blogs, and the biggest DMO job board on the planet, as well as links to other episodes of DMOU. That's DMOpros with a Z.com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time.